0: Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. I'm gonna invite you to stand for the reading of the word today. I have just a short message, I promise. This Christmas holidays, we have shorter messages, Um, but I do wanna present you with a word of encouragement today. We uh, initiated last week, Pastor Chris initiated our Fear uh, Not Christmas series. As we journey through the narrative of the Christmas story and we look at various personalities that are um, important. And so today I'll be uh, relaying to you um, information and perspective that we can learn from Joseph. Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 24 is the word of the Lord today and it reads like this. The Jewish tradition was that once you were engaged, you were as committed as marriage. So to break off an engagement was actually to divorce. So that's just for context. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be what? Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him what? Which means what? God God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your coming to this earth. There's a lot of hustle and bustle and parties and cookies and cakes and get-togethers and present buying. But God, let us not lose the meaning of it all. Right now, we quiet ourselves. We quiet our spirits. We want to be about the most important thing this morning. And so we, we focus our hearts and our minds on you, Jesus. You are the real gift of all gifts. And we thank you for coming. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may be seated. The message series is fear not and I get to encourage you to not fear man. Not fear man. There's some women you shouldn't fear either. Can I get... (laughs) Do not fear man. Do not fear people. Do not fear influences on this earth. The gospel that we believe in, the gospel that we entrust our hearts and minds to the meaning of Christmas and then ultimately the the meaning of Easter is that God himself came to set people free. It's important to recognize that and not get lost in maybe how those, his his, uh, Christ contemporaries were confused. They were waiting for a king that would Turned the world physically upside down militarily, politically upside down they were waiting for a king that would turn the world economically upside down but the angel of the Lord told Joseph that you will call him Jesus because he will save people he will save people, he will rescue people from their sins not from a economy not from a dictatorial government from their sins There have been Christians for the last 2,000 years, every color skin, every geographical location, under many different types of political structures, totalitarian regimes, and yet the gospel has spread like wildfire. In fact, let me just tell you this little secret for us Christians in America who get worried as how we see things trend to greater immorality and and, and, and less uh, belief in God. Let me, let me tell you, even as we begin to feel persecution for being a Christian, let me tell you, don't worry. The church does better under pressure than when it's easy. Look at, Christi- look at church history. Whenever it's been easy, the church, the church which is us Christians, get lazy and get comfortable, and get enamored with the wealth, and the riches, and the entertainment. But whenever it's been difficult for a church, it thrives, and it grows, and it gets more real and authentic. But let me tell you why. This is why. Because, because we don't need deliverance from, from a poor economy more than we need deliverance from our sins. You can't pay your way from a, out of a guilty conscience. You can't earn your way from a a past full of regrets. It takes divine intervention. It takes the grace of God to do that in the heart of a man or a woman. That's why the angel says, guess what? Good news. Good news. The Messiah is coming to save his people, not from King Herod, not from Caesar, not from the Roman guard. He's coming to save them from their sins. You can't ever escape your sins. You can flee to another country. You can flee to a more prosperous region. But you can't ever flee your sin. So Christ came to deliver us from our sins. Freedom. Surrender. Sweet surrender. You know... Joseph had good reason to be afraid. His world got turned upside down. Fear of what others might say, fear of the unknown, fear of the future. We are all haunted or can be haunted by these same types of fears. We find ourselves sort of, sort of, um, Crawling our way out of a pandemic. We thought maybe, because we've never been through a pandemic before, at least not in this nation. Uh, n- none of us had been in this country. And uh, maybe we thought there's this, it's a red light, and then there'll be a green light, and we can go back to normal. But how many know it's been this long, yellowish, orangish, <laughs> pukish? <laughs> We're like, do we go? Not. Do we, what do we do? We're finding our way through, and fear has been at our door constantly. From the very beginning, fear of the illness, fear of we don't know what this is, fear of the economy, work shutting down, schools shutting down, fear of what, how am I going to teach my kid? How am I going to get my child through this? And, and Pastor Chris mentioned something, I think it was last week, that the, the, the pandemic didn't hide our issues, it actually exposed them. Everything, the pandemic didn't make our marriages tough. They were already tough. Now we're just confined with one another. (laughs) It exposed our weaknesses and we were afraid. But I believe that God has walked with us every step of the way. He has been our good night's sleep. He has been the provider of the bread on your table. He has helped your children persevere so that they're here all beautiful and happy and loud and, and crazy and all good healthy things for kids. Yet you and the Lord got them here. God wants to deliver us from our fear. I, I, first, first John chapter 4, that's a classic passage. It says, John writes, and so we know and rely on the love of God, the love that he has for us, because God is love. Someone say, God is love. love. This is really important. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus, John writes, and then he writes this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. The foundation of a Christian's life is experiencing the love of God and loving him back. Now, this Love of God is perfect love. Someone say perfect. perfect. It's perfect love. Now, now it's not, it's not a, a, a cheap imitation love because cheap imitation love can be words and it could be mood and it could be uh, if the sun is shining. It, 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 people can be loving towards us, affectionate towards us if they're in the right frame of mind, but this is not, that is not perfect love. Without Christ, there's no perfect love. There's infatuation. There's there's lust. There's other kinds of emotions. But perfect love, perfect, by definition, is divine. And that's why we can suffer in our closest relationships. Because we're expecting perfect love from an imperfect woman or an imperfect man. We can't expect the divine from the natural. Perfect love comes from God, and that's why we fall in love with God. That's why we recognize him as the loving father, because we realize we have met met perfect love. It's in God. God is the standard of perfect love. There's a reason I'm giving you all this. And when you know that the almighty God of the universe loves you perfectly, What's there to fear? I'm just gonna let that sit right there. Go ahead. I'm going say it again if I can remember it. If an almighty, omnipotent God loves you perfectly, what's there to fear? It's like having money in the bank. It's like having a clean bill of health. It's like knowing someone who knows everything that you don't know and loves you enough to die for you. Why do we fear? Why do we fear? Why do we fear people? When almighty God, Loves you perfectly. His love changes everything. (laughs) Changes everything. You don't know what's ahead, but he does, so you're good. You don't know how you're going to get through the end of the month, but he does, so you're all right. You may not know how to solve all your problems. Welcome to the club. But he does, so you're all right. Are you following me? It's really important. It's really important for two reasons. One, the person who may be here or watching online that doesn't really believe in God because maybe you've adopted an image of God as judgmental and a a cosmic killjoy or someone distant. No, that's not the God of the Bible. And I invite you to draw near to him. But second, you might know him, but not yet be convinced. You never say this. You never say it out loud. You might not ever say it consciously, but you may not be convinced he re- either he really can do anything or you're not sure he really loves you perfectly because we still make the same mistakes of trying to keep control and trying to solve problems or, try- or submitting ourselves uh, in an unbiblical way to people. We're letting other people's opinions dictate our happiness, our joy, our sense of self and dignity, then we're missing one of those two is not running well. It's Christmas, isn't it? Merry Christmas. I, I thought since our kids were brave enough to do something they don't normally do, I thought maybe, in the spirit of Christmas, I do something I have never done before. I'd like to read you something I wrote about Joseph in the spirit of Christmas. It was entitled, it's entitled The Night He Came. Can you imagine what he had to be going through when he got the news? His heart drops. His palms go wet and cold. His mind races. Anger and shame color his face. Tears begin to fill his eyes. As suspicion rises up like a shadowy giant, the questions begin to ravage his mind. How could she? Who was the other man? What about our plans? What about our promises? Joseph has just received the news that his fiance is pregnant with someone else's child. And like any other man who has felt the pain of the ultimate betrayal, his life has just been stopped dead in its tracks. And let's not even get started about her explanation. Who is this woman he thought he knew so well? Who is she to try to tell him that it is the Holy Spirit who's placed his child in her womb? Does she take him for a fool? And not just any child, the Messiah. She claims the Messiah lives within her. Is this blasphemy? Drunkenness? Madness? How can this be if the Mary he loves fears God, abstains from temptation, is respected and honored? But he cannot believe her story. How can he? He has to do something. He will not press charges of infidelity against her, which at the time might be punishable by death. He will not make a spectacle of her so that her reputation is publicly ruined he will just quietly end the relationship. A wonderful aspect of the story of the birth of Christ is that God had not only selected the mother of Jesus, but the father as well. The right earthly father was as important a figure in the early development and care of Christ as was the right mother. Being fully human as well as fully divine, Jesus was going to learn how to talk, to walk, to work. All children need the example of a father, especially sons. The son of God was also to be the son of Joseph. And from this account, we can see why. Joseph somehow finds his way through the blinding pain and disappointment to look for what is best for Mary. He decides that he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, so he went to divorce her quietly. How about that? He is the one who is seemingly betrayed he is the one who is seemingly lied to. He is the one who's devastated, yet he is a gentleman in the truest sense of the word. In fact, he's more than a gentleman. He is a godly man. He makes the right choices between vengeance and forgiveness, bitterness and freedom, hatred and love. Some might say that Joseph was taking an easy way out. How could he love Mary and decide to break off the engagement? Couldn't he accept her, whether he believed her or not, based on his deep love for her? The answer is no, he could not. And this is one reason his life had been marked with righteousness and integrity. See, Joseph took himself seriously. So seriously, he had lived his life with meaning up to this point. He had made a commitment to an honorable woman He had dedicated himself to pleasing God with worship and lifestyle. He knew that God had a plan for him, even as a simple carpenter. And he would not jeopardize that, not now, not with so much at stake. Contrary to what many think, love is never blind. Infatuation, maybe, lust, surely. Codependency, absolutely, but not love. Love has its eyes wide open. And Joseph not only loved God, and Mary, but he also loved himself. He loved himself enough not to make a lifelong commitment to someone who by all appearances had been a fraud. But thankfully, God does not leave him there. It would take a miracle for Joseph to remain committed to Mary. And that's exactly what God gave him. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The message is received loud and clear and the man of God responds in obedience and submission. This is strange and not my plan, he must think, but my life is not my own and the difficulty is not over. We don't hear much more about Joseph other than anxiously looking for his lost son, who he finds in the temple courts of Jerusalem. When questioned, 12-year-old Jesus responds, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? His father's house. Joseph surely had to deal with the whispers and sideways glances of those familiar with the couple and the rumors about them. There are the questions, innuendo, and gossip. Joseph is raising another son. Undoubtedly, there were moments when Joseph found himself staring at this boy and wondering, even if briefly, if he had done the right thing. If the dream that had convinced him of his calling was valid, if Mary really could be trusted, if it was worth it. But Joseph is a godly man and he he keeps his word and takes Jesus as his own, teaches him to talk, to walk, to work. Joseph passes on the skills of a carpenter, passes on the love for his wife, Mary, passes on the love for his heavenly father. And as all good fathers, Joseph knows his son intimately. He sees what others do not see. Surely Joseph's eyes brighten with understanding as he watches his son grow in stature and in favor With the lord and with men joseph knows things about this son of his that the gossips do not know he hears the unearthly wisdom he sees the unnatural acts of selflessness he looks into the eyes of the child and recognizes something there that he has only known before in prayer And surely Joseph does what all good fathers do when they carry their sleeping children to bed. He feels the heartbeat of his son against his chest and thanks God for the night he came. Joseph gives us the best example of whose voice to listen to. Whose voice will we listen to? Will we listen to the voices that question and undermine and accuse? Or will we listen to the the voice of God speak, even when, are you with me? I know that was kind of long, sorry. I'll never do it again. No, just kidding. (laughs) Will we listen to God's voice even when it goes contrary to everything we've ever known before? See, part of the journey of faith is learning really a whole new way of living. It's not trying to fit God into our way. It's realizing God opens up a whole new way. And it's up to us to get with him. When we do that, there will be voices accusing. There will be even voices in our head accusing and wondering and undermining. But let uh, let me encourage you that we can get to the point where we're fearless enough to take God at his word. No more bowing to public opinion. No more bowing to the whims and sentiments of those around us. No more being concerned about what flawed men and women think of us. But much more focused on what God thinks of us. I'm going to invite you to worship here. And I want you to know that the, this is the ultimate of worship. The ultimate of worship is not what you do with your mouth or what, with your head, but what you do with your life. It's what you do with your life. People can claim to, you know, love God, come into a building or, 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 or be somewhere and sing and do something with their hands, but their lives are incoherent with what they sing. And what we want to be is our, our, our people who are dedicated, where we realize that the way we speak and the way we make decisions and the, the way that we govern our lives, that all of that is, can be as worship unto, unto God. We need to place God himself on the throne of our hearts and live our lives in surrender to his will. Would you stand with me? And we're going to sing this Christmas song. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at ThriveLathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.